You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has come in order to show us compassion, so that we too may show compassion to others. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in 1981, a guy named Gary Portnoy and his writing partner, Judy Hart, put together a song, a song that you probably know, even if you haven't watched much of the show that it goes along with. The, the song's name is Somewhere Where Everyone Knows Your Name. And as you think about uh, those words, probably what comes to mind is the, the TV sitcom Cheers. A TV sitcom that was all about a a neighborhood bar in Boston, um, and and it was a place where everybody knew everybody else's name. It was this place where everybody could gather, and uh, everybody kind of knew who you were. They didn't just know your name, in fact, they kind of knew who you were. They knew what your character was all about, and we got to know those characters as well as we got to know all of them by their names. We got to know how they acted, how they behaved, and how they would react to certain things. And that was part of the fun of the show, was that it was this show that was just kind of this big character study, where what you did was you just brought together a congregation of people that were in a bar together, and as those people came together and you just threw in some little in instance of something happening in their lives, you found out that what would come about is that you could start to determine, okay, I know how Norm is going to react to this, or I know how Carla is going to react to this, or I know how some of the other characters are going to react to this. And that song became sort of this way of understanding what was happening in the show. And uh, interestingly enough, that wasn't the only song that, uh, that Gary and Judy had put together for the show. In fact, they had put together another song that, uh, that they, they called Another Day, and it featured this lyric. It said, there are times when it's fun to take the long way home. And, uh, and as you think about uh, that lyric in terms of uh, what's going on in Cheers, that you can kind of see that. You can see that all of these people were stopping by the bar just after work. And uh, that what they were doing was they were taking, uh, having fun taking the long way home. Well, what we have today is we have a story of somebody who's taking a very long way home. We have this story that we sort of know as the, the story of the prodigal son, even though it's probably best uh, titled as uh, the story of 
the two sons or the lost son and, and how those two sons engage with one another. And it's so familiar to us that we kind of know its name. We know what's happening in this parable in a lot of ways. And yet, there's, if we look deeper into this story, I think we find more and more stuff. The more that we look into the story, the more we find what's going on here. Now, a lot of you know that the way that we're structuring our sermons during Lent here is according to this ancient uh, prayer practice uh, called the Collect Prayer. And that the Collect Prayer has five different parts to it, and and that means that uh, what we're going to be talking about are five different things. So the first part is just sort of naming an attribute of God and naming, okay, well, this is who God is. And how we would do that in in our prayers is we would say something like, oh, compassionate God, God of all compassion compassion. And then after that, we move into the next section, which is the rationale. And we sort of uh, talk in that prayer then, if we're praying this out, we talk about, okay, well, what do we know from scripture that tells us that God is compassionate? And then after that, we get into a petition. We actually get to ask God for something, and, and we'll talk about what that is in this particular story. And then after that, we ask for something, uh, we, we talk about something that maybe we forget a lot of times in our just regular day-to-day prayers, and that's the aspiration, this sense that uh, we are actually going to be telling God, okay, God, this is why we think this is good for your kingdom. This is why we think that this is something that you would be inclined to answer because it's going to not only be good for me, but it's going to be good for all of the other people around me. And after we get through with the aspiration, then we get to the conclusion. And the conclusion is always just sort of wrapping things up in who Jesus is. And so uh, we've already talked about the address. The address is that God is a compassionate God. That's sort of the, the idea that we're working with here. And where do we see that God is compassionate in these readings? Well, it should be pretty clear in this one. In this one, we have a very clear picture that Jesus is giving us of who God is, that God is compassionate because he is the God to which Jesus is pointing when he's telling this story. He's saying, God is your father. God is the one who drops everything and embraces the son who's returning. But you also have it kind of sprinkled throughout those other texts. So you have this uh, this. Uh, Isaiah reading, where all of a sudden you have this sort of great hymn of praise that is happening in the midst of Isaiah's book. And if you look at what surrounds that, and if you look at especially the time period that surrounds when Isaiah is prophesying, you go, oh, well, all of these people are being called to rejoice that God is so great. And yet in the midst of that, God is being so great to a people that are probably pushing away at him people that are doing all sorts of sins. And the people that Isaiah is addressing here are like the prodigal son. They're like the people that are sort of running away from home. And yet God is promising them that they will have some grace. And in the psalm as well, we hear this beautiful psalm of David where David talks about how he's sort of going through this existential crisis of having a sin on his soul and how he wants to just keep that to himself. He wants to keep that to himself and not deal with it. Just sort of like the prodigal son wanted to to keep everything to himself. He wanted to just say, okay, well, I'm going to work in a pig field. And I'm going to be happy with it, or at least try to be happy with it. And he finally gets to this point where he's had enough. 
And he finally says, I've got to go to my father because that's way better than working here with these pigs. And that's the same sense that you have from that psalm that David is finally at this point where he's saying, I'm done being quiet and not bringing this to God. I need to bring this to God. And so you have all of these obvious instances of God's compassion being shown to people that are trying to deal with things themselves. And God's compassion being there for people whose names he knows. And that's the case with us too. Anybody in this room who is baptized, God knows your name. That we had this moment in which God through his church through water and through his word, brought you into his kingdom, not just as a number, not just as a face, but as a person with a name, that he brought you in and he knows your name. Although the problem is that, well, being known by name It's not always so good. We know a lot of people by name. And maybe sometimes they would rather us not know them by their name. There's a lot of people in this world who are famous, who are happy with their name being associated with who they are. But there are also a lot of people in this world who are infamous whose names we, we point at and we sneer or we sigh or we scowl. Names like Vladimir Putin. Names like all of the people that are in the most wanted posters. Names of the people that we have even in our own families and in our own relationships that we sort of know their names and perhaps we do those kind of things when we hear their names, we scowl or uh, we laugh even as we think about who they are. Well, if you think about this story that Jesus is telling, likely if those two sons actually did exist, you would have known the name of the younger son if you lived in the father's household. You would have known his name and that name maybe would have been something that you only used if you absolutely had to. It may have been one of those things where you got into this place where you didn't talk about that person in the same way that we don't talk about Bruno. You didn't talk about who that person was because that person brought up bad feelings. And that certainly must have been the case for this prodigal son who took half of his father's estate and then went off into a country where he spoiled himself and seemingly everybody else in his wild living. And you could have imagined what they would have said about that son as he was off that way. And only all the more could have you understand how they would have used his name in sort of disbelief. 
when they were talking about what happened on that day when he came home. You can imagine how they might have been talking about who he was and saying his name and uh, saying his name and uh, who knows, maybe it was Johnny. And they're saying, well, Johnny came back today and, and, the, and, and the, the master of the house, well, he, he embraced him. He, he put his ring on him. He gave him shoes. He killed the fattened calf. And you would have imagined the people in the room that were hearing that for the first time were saying, well, you don't mean Johnny, Johnny, do you? And they would have recognized his name, but it would have been with disbelief. And all the more if you were Johnny's brother, Polly. And if you were Polly, you would have been known around the family. You were not only the righteous one, the one who did everything the way that you were supposed to do it. You were the one also who was sort of martyred. You were the one who didn't have your brother around. And so because of that, you probably had more work to do. You had more stuff to do because of this slouch of a brother that you had who took all of his money and went off into a foreign country. Well, if you were Polly out in the field and you came up out of the field towards the house and you heard all of the music and you heard all of the dancing and the laughing and you smelled the beautiful smell of the fattened calf roasting on the barbecue grill and you said, why? Why is this happening? Am I finally getting my day in the sun? Am I going to walk into the house and is there going to be a big banner there that says, congratulations, Polly? Thanks for being a great son. And yet you come up and the servant of the house tells you, this is for Johnny. You can begin to imagine how upset Paulie might have been. You can imagine where he was coming from when the father comes out to him and has this conversation with him. You can imagine why he felt that he was neglected. You can imagine what kind of things were being associated with the different names of the people in his family in his own head. Which leads us to our petition. The third movement in this prayer act. And that petition is that we would not be like Pauly, but that we would be sons who would mirror their father. And to us, there's a little bit of hesitation in us to really want that. There's a little bit of hesitation in us because we maybe feel like it should be our name that's up there. We maybe feel like it should be our name that is being lauded and magnified by all of the people in the rest of the family. We maybe feel like there should be an award given to us for the good things that we have done because, well, they are good things, 
It's not like the older brother did bad things and was trying to call them good. He actually did good things. And so do we. And yet, the thing about what's being presented to us in these scriptures is that the posture of a Christian heart is one that does good things but never expects to see their names up on the banner. In fact, that's all of what Paul is telling us in this portion of 2 Corinthians that was read by Lowry. That we should regard one another as Christ is regarded. That we should regard one another no matter what our experience is because in our world as Christians, well, we don't expect our names to be up on the banner, but rather we expect the name of Christ to be up on the banner. We expect the celebration to be like the celebration of Easter, that the celebration is a celebration that we are all experiencing, but that the person that we are celebrating is not ourselves, but is Jesus Christ. And that his name is on the banner. And that anybody who comes into that party Anybody who comes into that party and is willing and ready to celebrate the name of the one who that party is being thrown for is welcomed by the Father. No matter who they are, no matter what ugliness is associated with their names, no matter who you are, no matter what ugly sins are associated with your names, no matter what other people think of your names or what you yourself think of your name, that your name is one that is accepted by the Father, that it's brought into the household by the waters of holy baptism. That you are able to come into the party is really good news. And that's what we're asking God for, that we would be able to come into the party. And so why do we want that to happen? Well, we want that to happen so that we can celebrate those whose names should not be there. So that we can celebrate the younger brothers in our lives. We can celebrate the people that we are kind of like, God, do you have to let them in? Are you sure you really want them in heaven? Are you sure you really want them in the church? Are you sure you really want them around me? Because I don't want them around me. I maybe don't even want them in heaven. I certainly don't want them in the kingdom of God. I want you to keep them as far away from me as possible. But we recognize that the gospel changes that in us. And that somehow, magically, we are able to see them for who they are. But to also see them for Christ that is in them. 
to see the fact that they are walking into the same celebration that we are. That celebration that is bannered with the name of Jesus Christ. Because he's what pulls it all together. That's what the conclusion of the prayer is all about. That Jesus brings this all together in himself. That what he did dying on the cross was that he enabled his name to be brought to nothing. He enabled his name to be brought to death. He enabled his name to be chiseled on a tombstone if they had such things. He enabled his name to be something that was associated with something that it should never be associated with, and that is death, the kind of death that a criminal goes through. And yet, he did that so that we could have our names placed in his book of life. So may you go about this week recognizing that you so often are someone whose name does not deserve to be on the banner. But that because of the one whose name is on the banner, the name of Jesus Christ, that you are included into this fantastic party. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through his church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Lord,